This episode of the New Hampshire Business Show is sponsored by Everlasting Capital. If you're a small business and you need money and a bank won't give it to you, Everlasting Capital is here to help. In as quickly as a couple of days, you can have the funding your business needs for new equipment or anything else you could need the capital for. So submit your application today and see how they can help you out. Hello everyone and welcome back to the New Hampshire Business Show. My name is Chris Pastrana and today we're here with Karen Legassi from North Point Mortgage. So when we get started, uh, I know there's a couple things you wanted to say first, so... Well, I just wanted to identify my company <laughs> with its licensing of 1515 and my licensing of 44031. Okay, Thanks, perfect. Chris. Nah, yeah, I totally get it. Real estate, and like I said, it, we were t- kind of talking about beforehand, and investing, and anything dealing with like money, Yeah. pretty stingent on like, what you can and can't say, so I, I get it. It's pretty good. Um, so yeah, let's get started. So let's talk a little bit about yourself and North Point Mortgage. Okay. I started in the industry in September of 2000, mm-hmm. and I was with one company for eight years, moved over to North Point in 2008 when industry was kind of falling apart, yeah. had to make a move because the company I had been with looked like it wasn't going to succeed. Mm-hmm. Two kids in school, um, a house, I was a little nervous, so made that move and very happy to have done so. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Uh, so you moved. You said you moved from your first company to North Point. To North Point. Okay, and that was you said eight years and eight years so. with the first, and I'm starting my eleventh year okay. in April with this company. Yeah, I was gonna say if you started back in two thousand, that's almost twenty years. That's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Right. I wrote out those. You know, we had some great times when I started in two thousand. Rates were a seven and a half percent, which, and you know, look at them today. You know, in yeah. the low fours, uh, but it's been quite a been quite an experience yeah absolutely yeah so i speak with a lot i speak with a lot of real estate people you know they they naturally flood in here quite a bit excuse me but to see some that you know because back in the 2008 2009 area when the market crashed yeah that must have been very interesting oh it was scary being in real estate yeah it was it was crazy because you come into the office and this was more i would say in 2006 is when it really started. Yeah. 2007, it was a roller coaster. You didn't know day to day if the, um, say the broker that you were sending a deal to, because at the time I worked for a broker shop. Yeah. And what? so we would have these companies like Washington Mutual and, um, oh gosh, um, I'm having a brain cramp, but there was so many of them. Yeah. And they were just tumbling. The yeah. doors were closed. You had all these loans with them. You had to figure out what am I gonna do with these loans? And it was it was by it was so scary. Scary for the people and for yourself because you just didn't know what was happening day to day. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I remember I'm gonna date myself here a little bit, not really date myself, but um, two thousand six I was just my I was senior year in high school. Okay. Right. So I was getting out of high school and I only caught like the, you know, kind of the edges of this because I wasn't really, I was still with my mother, um, I wasn't even in college yet. So you kind of only hear about it. Yeah. And then, but to actually be living in it was, it was pretty cool. <laughs> well, and the scary thing for so many people during that era is, is that in 2001 is when the refinance market took over, right? Mm-hmm. So you had your 2002, three and four people were put into some really scary loans. People that were, you know, working um, low-income jobs, 
buying homes two, three, four hundred thousand dollars on a stated income program. Yeah. I mean, things that were not designed for them. Yeah. And yet they were put into these loans and then told that, oh, you just have to stay in it for two years and you can refinance. And then sure enough, seven and eight and nine, and that house wasn't worth anything anymore. Yeah. They couldn't refinance. Their credit wasn't there. They didn't do the work necessary to get to where they needed to be. And a lot of people lost their homes. It yeah. was, and it was heartbreaking to, to hear and to know that some people that you actually worked with had lost their home. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I bet. Yeah. So, <clears throat> going to derail a little bit here. Yes. Um, Why did you get into real estate back oh, in the beginning? So, my former husband and I owned a service station in Manchester mm -hmm. for 17 years. Okay. So, we closed the door in June of 2000. And I started doing the books for, um, at the time, a builder that was in the Bedford area. And um, I started waitressing to help out a friend. I mean, because I mean, you go from having a business, we had a house in Bedford, you have two kids, and all of a sudden you have no income yeah. coming in, right? And so at the time, my former husband took a job doing stuff, and I'm doing this, and I ran into a friend of mine who got me started in this industry, and ran into her at Walmart, buying school supplies and I looked at her and I said so how do you do this job do you have to have a college degree do you have to go to school mm -hmm. and she said no so she called me that afternoon and said I have a you have an interview so the next day I showed up and I learned to do this job and that's it was trial and error I remember going to work at the time and now everything is automated you go onto a computer you get your rates you can enter everything is so easy yeah. back in 2000 you had rate sheets it was like reading a foreign language I had no idea what I was doing had no idea what subprime and all this stuff yeah. meant right and it took me about I have to say about good five solid months of going in every day nine to two then I'd leave and pick up the kids at school. I'd bring them home, start dinner, and go waitress. Yeah. And I did that for like four months. Hmm. And then all of a sudden, 2001 came in March of 2001. All of a sudden, rates came down. The phones were ringing like crazy. And all I did was show up and work hard. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good. <laughs> so what kept you going through that hard point? You said 2006. I had bills. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I had two kids in school. Yeah. I had a house. Um, my husband and I divorced in April of 2007 mm -hmm. and yeah, I didn't have a choice. Yeah. I, this is what I knew and I just stayed the course. Okay. <laughs> That's all I did. It's pretty honest. I yeah, just put yeah. blinders on and said, I, I got to do this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's pretty well, straightforward. That's pretty good, you know, because yep. a lot of people, um, again, they don't come straight forward with that. They're like, oh, but I loved it and I just wanted to help people. But no, yeah. But I Sometimes do. you have bills. But I mean, at that well, time, exactly. it was a desperate situation yeah. when you didn't know if the company you were with was even going to be open the next day. Yeah. So that was a fear. And the fear was, what were you going to do with all these loans? Because you help, you know, my course, of course, is to help people. Yeah. I want them in the home. I want them happy. I want this to be the best thing for them. But at the time, if they had any kind of a credit issue, you were forced to go with some of these lenders that were folding every yeah. day so it was like what do you do and it was just a really scary time where yeah I had to think of myself and my kids yeah. and keeping things afloat and then and it did you know we just we managed to get through it and I'm still doing it today and still hope to be doing it 20 years from now because I yeah. love it yeah. yeah I do I Good. really am passionate about what I do cool so then we get to the post collapse era yeah and how's it been since then it's been you know it's been it's different yeah. you know it's not 
I have to tell you, the two, three, four, fives, they were exciting. Mm -hmm. I mean, you had at times, you could have 50, 60, 70 loans going at the same time. It was just juggling and excitement, and it was fun. It's different today. It's more regulated, of yeah. course. We had to go through licensing. Um, every year you have to get certified again and pay fees to be licensed in the states you can do business. Um, it's stricter in some ways but really as it always should have been right there are certain things you just got to do and they got away from that you know in the mm -hmm. early 2000s they made it so easy for anyone to buy a home and i think i think they did a lot of positive things in the changes that came yeah just made it more difficult it was harder to navigate but then once you learned what you needed to do again once you did it it just mm -hmm. it became easier yeah you know the market now is definitely a purchase market um, but I have to tell people, if you purchased a home in the last three years, three, three and a half, four years, and you have a loan with, say, PMI attached to it, mm -hmm. you could refinance to be today and be in the low fours, which are great, yeah. and get rid of your PMI because just because of the market and how it's appreciated, yeah. and take advantage of what's going Even if your rate's slightly higher, you're going to save long term. Yeah. Yeah. So it is still a really, you know, good market for both. Okay. You know, yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. Cool. So let's let's get into this a little bit then. Um, do you have particular customers you like working with as like first time buyers, or you just kind of open to? Uh, well, I'm open to anyone. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, first time buyers, I really enjoy. I really love the millennials. Yeah. I do. I love them. I th I love their energy. I love uh, their. Um, I don't know how to term this. It's almost like they, uh, well, because I have two kids, right? Yeah. I have a 31-year-old and a 28-year-old. And I love to see how they are so, um, they have plans, right? They mm -hmm. put these things in front and how they go after their dreams. And that's what I see when I see millennials. I mean, they're very careful. They're careful, more careful, I feel, that, than we were at that age with their yeah. money in making decisions, in jumping into something. They're, because of the internet and the ability to go on and Google and ask any question that you can possibly ask and get answers, mm -hmm. they're better informed. So I find them, you know, it's interesting to work with them. Um, I love working with first time buyers. I love helping people that are say in a financial situation that have to refinance to maybe pay off debt, help themselves get into a better place. Um, yeah, I mean, anyone, I just, Love working with all sorts of people. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So the point of um, bringing that up is I've had a lot of realtors in the area, so we've talked about the real estate side of things a bit. Mm -hmm. But I don't think I've ever brought on a mortgage person to talk about mortgages. Okay. That's cool. So if you want to, we can get into that. Like, okay. Um, from the very beginning, someone decides they want to get a house. Mm -hmm. Where do they start? What should they do? Where do they start is, uh, typically people will ask friends, right? They go to their family, they go to their friends, hey, you know, you know anybody in the mortgage business? So it's kind of like that's their starting point. It's really important, I think, that they have to get qualified first before they really go out and find the realtor. Yeah. So by getting qualified, I think it's really important for these first-time home buyers to be proactive in getting their credit pulled and in getting their documents looked at. And what I mean by that is there's so many times that people do not realize that say they have something that happened in their past and they had student loans and they and they reneged on them, right? Now the government's gonna come after you. They're not gonna let that just mm -hmm. go by the wayside. So all of a sudden you might have a garnishment on your wages. 
it's important for that to be brought right up in conversation when you sit down with your loan officer and say, this is what I have going on. This is being garnished for my wages. Yeah. And that way the loan officer is better able to say to them, okay, fine, we have to show three months of payment or we have to show because you have this garnishment, we actually have to pay that off. It cannot be hanging yeah. out there, right? Because student loans are different than say an installment loan, yeah. right? But it's getting these things done up front before you go look for a home. And so many times people will start looking for a home without getting their ducks in a row. So then there, it leads to disappointment. It leads to an immense amount of paperwork and running around to get these things that are needed yeah. to satisfy what an underwriter is going to want. And sometimes it leads to denial because they're not in a position that hasn't been enough time. Um, they don't have the money to say pay off a garnishment that has to be done. So I really advise people don't worry about having your credit pulled. The biggest question I get asked, the biggest one is, well, if you pull my credit, my score might go down. I said, well, do you know what your score is? And a lot of times these sites that they pull your free credit on, mm -hmm. it's not accurate yeah. because it's a soft pull. And so that's going to be, you know, you can go get a car loan. It's going to tell you you have an 800 or an 850 credit score. And yet you go to buy a home and it's saying that you have a 710. Mm -hmm. Totally different. So I, I, I just advise that you have your credit pulled. If there are issues, deal with it because your credit report's good for four months. Yeah. So it gives you time to take care of business, then get your realtor, and then move forward in the loan buying. Yeah. Does that help? Yeah. Okay. So as I like that, because I used to sell cars, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and a lot of times people would come to me, and like, I'm going to buy this car. I'm like, okay, let's get you through the process. And just the amount of hassle of getting them from the show floor to an actual financed car mm -hmm. is a pain. Um, and I can only imagine how it is with real estate because I've bought investment properties before, so I know it can get kind of crazy. It can get crazy. Um, there's a lot of paperwork out there, especially after um, the collapse and all that mm -hmm. stuff. So just knowing what you need and knowing all that is kind of crazy. And then you have uh, most, because most people would say go to the realtor first, typically mm -hmm. is what you'd see. Mm -hmm. um, so they go through the process, and now they have the realtor who's like really hammering to get the deal done. So right. it's stressful. It's very stressful. Yeah. And I think, but it really, it's the other way around. You yeah. need your mortgage person first. Make yeah. sure you have no issues with your, you know, credit. It, <clears throat> excuse me. It's the same thing I just had recently happen where I had a gentleman that had been at his job for two and a half years. And as of January of 2019, his base was cut because he was brought into commission. Now, granted, long term, he's going to make a lot more money. Yeah. Problem is, I can't use that commission mm -hmm. because he doesn't have 12 months of receiving it. Yeah. So all of a sudden, you take this money off the table. Now you're left with a base. Life changes than mm -hmm. what it was in November when he first started the process because now it's all changed. Yeah. That makes sense? Mm -hmm. So by starting first, so he was pre-qualified in November. Something fell apart. Now he's coming to me to purchase again in April or May. And I'm telling him things he probably doesn't want to hear. Yeah. Right? So that's where it's very important yeah. yeah, to work with the mortgage person and make sure you're solid. Yeah. 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 Pretty good. And then I think that's it. Like, I can't think of anything else big that goes on there, at least on the beginning side. <clears throat> I know most people make the mistake of, you know, they get everything settled and then they go and start 
financing a bunch of stuff. <laughs> yeah, you don't buy anything while you're in the house yeah, yeah. buying process because we do pull 10 days, up to 10 <coughs> days before closing. We do a soft pull on you to see if anything's changed. Now, we're not pulling a credit score. Yeah. What we want to know is did you go out and acquire debt? Yeah. And did you suddenly take your credit card that only had a $500 balance and charge $10,000 on it, which would change your monthly payment, yeah. which means it could affect that debt to income. Yeah. Right, and then it could blow the deal yeah. because all of a sudden now you're like, oh, you don't qualify because your debt to income's a hair higher than you need to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I said I like bringing all this up because people just don't understand the backside of real estate, right? Because it's very complicated and very similar to cars. And I think people give car salesmen a really bad rap, but they don't understand that. Just like in real estate, you have <clears> the realtor, <throat> but then you also have the bank kind of on the side. Mm -hmm. So you have your car salesman, but you have, they're trying to deal with the bank. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so it makes this very odd process. So people get angry at the real estate people not realizing there's a whole lot going on behind the scenes. So. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, I know the mortgage person does, I mean, we have an awful lot of responsibility yeah. because we are basically bringing this all together. We typically, most cases, will choose the title company. Mm -hmm. We choose the appraiser through a third-party system. So again, it's not a direct relationship. It's kind of like a round robin. Mm -hmm. You order it, and whoever chooses it gets that appraisal. Yeah. But we're the ones who have to meet the deadlines for dates, make sure that person qualifies, make sure the title is in, make sure there's no issues with the title, make sure that the appraiser's done his thing, work with the underwriter, work with the borrower, work with the realtor, bring it to close. And it's a lot, it's wonderful, right? But there's mm -hmm. an awful lot of responsibility on yeah. that mortgage individual to make sure they're doing their job. Yeah. Right. And the change in the appraisals, that was um, a benef uh, effect of the market crash as well, Correct. right? Yeah. Well, because it was too much say, I mean, I. I, I could talk to my appraiser. I mm -hmm. could say to him, hey, this is what I'm looking to do. Yeah. And he'd be, again, I'm not trying to tell him what he has to do. I just tell him what I was going to do. Yeah. And so, of course, you know, you have a relationship with that individual mm -hmm. for long-term working and, you know, things would happen. Yeah. And you just, um, they took that which is not again a bad thing to distance oneself from who's doing that yeah. appraising you know again to better have the quality of you know that the value of the home come in based on really its value yeah you know yeah yeah i gotcha not a bad thing <laughs> yeah not a bad thing. like i said a lot of little things changed mm -hmm. and uh you know people who haven't bought a house in 20 years might not know that they could be very different now to them. Oh, it's a shock. Yeah. It's a shock because there's a lot more paperwork. Yeah. Uh, a it's very redundant. You'll sometimes sign, depending on the loan program, two or three of the same papers, yeah. right? Depending on what you're doing. Um, and there's just, and there's an awful lot of documentation when we ask for tax returns and W-2s and pay stubs and, you know, we're analyzing the bank statements. And that's another thing, first-time buyers too, young kids, overdrafts. You know, if you have tight ratios and you're doing a government loan, Right, which mm -hmm. could be FHA or USDA or VA, um, and say you overdraft your bank account a lot. Mm -hmm. Kids don't think anything of it, or may not think anything of it, and say, "Okay, I'll pay the twenty dollar fee or whatever." And but it does hurt because an underwriter, even though you get an automated approval through the search engine, yeah. So we take a loan application, we have your parameters of what you gave us. And then we run it through. We get a, an approval or we get a refer, which means you've got to go back and make some changes yeah. to have this fit right in the box. 
and say you get an approval, an underwriter has the final say. So if an underwriter feels your ratios are high, you have no reserves, you're changed jobs a lot, right, in mm -hmm. a year, um, and then they see overdrafts, they can deny it. Yeah. Because it's their ID, their licensing person yeah. on that approval. So I just, I, that's why up front, I want to see two months of the most recent bank statements. I want to look at your pay stubs to see if there's anything coming out that I need to know. Yeah. Because a lot of times people, they don't think it's important. And it's yeah. not that they're trying to deceive. It's just that they really don't think of it as being, they just used to, it's coming out of their check. They don't think about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And we have to look at all of it and then make sure they're gonna still qualify or at least have an underwriter look at it before they sign that purchase and sales, right? Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. And uh, I'm trying to think, I had one situation back when I sold cars mm -hmm. when people don't realize like some things aren't a form of income. Like right. <laughs> someone comes in they're like, yo, this is my income. I'm like, this is child support. It's like, <laughs> yes, this is my income. <laughs> I can't use that, you know, and then you get all mad at you and you're like, well, I'm sorry to be the bearer of the bad news on this, but yeah, if they don't pay you, which right. typically doesn't happen, you can't use this, right. you know? So yeah, just, yeah, I've been in your shoes, just not in real estate. Right. Well, I think I have to tell you, Chris, I think selling cars is a whole lot harder than doing mortgages. Oh I, yeah. Cause people typically want to deal with, you know, someone to get the house. People hate car salesmen. Like, it's just, it's awful. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know how you guys, I don't know how you did it and how yeah, people uh, do it. It's awful. Yeah. <laughs> it's awful. Yeah. It's painful. It's like yeah. going to the dentist. Hate to say it, but yeah, it's no. like that. Yeah. It's up there. <laughs> <laughs> so um, anything else you wanted to cover quickly before we went over there? No, just that, um, you know, North Point is a fabulous company. You know, we're mm -hmm. like, uh, we're located in New Hampshire in Bedford, Portsmouth and Dover. Mm -hmm. We've got offices in Maine. I mean, pretty much throughout New England, Florida and St. John. So we've been around for 15 years, I think now. Uh, so it's a relatively young company. Yeah. Maybe 50, 60 originators. Really, I mean, a small, not like a mid-sized, small to mid-sized company. Yeah. But very knowledgeable people. So it's been, it's really been a great fit for me to be with this company. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, pretty cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much, Chris, for having me. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for watching. Reach out if you need a mortgage. And uh, everyone have a great day.